Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Oh, we're back. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the GH Report right here on AfterBuzz TV, breaking down all the craziness that happens in Port Charles. Monday through Friday there on ABC. I'm Frank Moran. Oh, sorry. Wait, what is that? I'm hearing noise. <laughs> All right. Now I'm good. Okay. We're seasoned ad. professionals here. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's up, y'all? <laughs> that, of course, is the lovely and talented uh, media empress of the galaxy there, Carla Renata. <laughs> what's up, y'all? So let's do a, um, a roll call of the chat room. We got Joe Costanzo. We got Sheree R., Ruth Wood, Tom Cleave, Jasmine Edwards, Annie Gowen, Jenny, Jenny, Jenny Fears. Okay, Jenny Fears. <laughs> I kind of like that name. Linda Capra, our old standby Kelly Public Cover, Mary, Jasmine Edwards, Monique Abram, and da 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 Loretta Johnson. Thanks, y'all, for joining us. Appreciate you. Holy cow, folks. Yes. Uh, as always, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. There we go. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up while you're there. And, uh, of course, Carla, Carla was just announcing everybody there on the chat that the coolest place to be right now on a Sunday at 6 o'clock yeah. Pacific time. Yeah. But if you're watching after we stream live, feel free to comment down below. <laughs> so uh, we, will, we will break down this past week in the, in, the, in the intense detail that you love. But before we get started, Carla, what did you think overall? You know, it was it was interesting. Uh, what, what was more interesting is I know they were only able to tape so many episodes. <laughs> I'm wondering how many of these we'll be able to do before we we run out. Um, but I, my favorite part of the week was that whole Brooklyn Lulu showdown, baby. I was living for that. <laughs> I was, you know, I live for a good cat fight. That was that gave me the, <laughs> and I was kind of. Um, Surprised at how Maxie asserted herself because she's a little passive aggressive, but she wasn't passive aggressive this week. Sip, sip. <laughs> no, 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 very, very true. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, reading it up, I mean, of course, uh, Days has the most lead time because they were about eight months ahead, but uh, it came down to uh, Bold and Beautiful, YNR, and GH. They're anywhere from four to six weeks ahead. So, uh, oh, so yeah. We got, we got some time. Oh, good. We got a few good. weeks before That's we have good. to start sweating it. <laughs> I know it's gonna be like oh what are we gonna do I guess what we could try to do is you know since people are sitting at home hopefully they're not sick maybe now we can finally get Maurice Bernard on the show it ain't like he got an excuse now <laughs> that's true you ain't doing nothing that sounds, Maurice. unless he on a ventilator he ain't got no excuse okay <laughs> <laughs> that's true guys yeah yes we get to get to know your soap soap folks which is one-on-one <laughs> 
right, right here. And we had another what their bedrooms look like. In. That's right. Have them call <laughs> on in and join us, sister. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned with Maxie, her asserting herself. We'll start with that. Uh, this has been building up for quite a while, but Maxie's, Ma- uh, Maxie's increasing and growing dissatisfaction with her role at Crimson. And it finally yeah, reached a breaking you- point where she's like, I got to go. Yeah, you know, I, you're right. It has been building up for quite some time. And I think it it kind of came to a head for her when Nina came back after the whole wedding thing because she was kind of holding down the fort while Nina was was off licking her wounds. And she thought for sure that Nina would give her a raise, give her a promotion, make her like an assistant editor or something along those lines. And when it that didn't quite happen and she kind of kept her where she is Maxie was a little salty as she should be like I would have been salty about that too like that's something to be salty about now don't you, I, think? you know I'm, well true I mean what I did like is that at least while Nina has been oblivious to uh, how much Maxie's been doing or at least not consciously recognizing it I you said oblivious I, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like that it wasn't that she didn't play that the whole time when Maxie came in and talked to her about it which she probably should have done a long time ago but at least Max was like, yes, all right, you deserve this. Let me get this for you. And it wasn't until yeah. she had the conversation with Jax and Jax said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, if you and I are doing this thing, I can't give you more money because it would seem like I'm showing favoritism towards you. Right, so right. Do you do you feel that Nina should, should Nina have been totally transparent with Maxie and just say, the reason I can't do this is because Jax and I are in a relationship and it would be, it could have the appearance of impropriety if we gave you more money? I think that I think that Nina, because there was a, a scene where she discussed with Jax about not making her life more difficult than it already is. So I think she's kind of doing that passive aggressive dance that that Maxie usually does. She's trying to have her cake and eat it too. You know, is is troublesome and as annoying as Maxie can be sometimes. Maxie has been of great assistance to her and has supported Nina and had her back when nobody else did. And the same goes for Jack. So it's like, she doesn't want to lose this new romantic interest over here because she kind of needs, she needs that right now. She needs somebody to just like hug her and hold her and tell her everything's going to be okay and not have, you know, (laughs) evil intention baggage like Valentine does. But at the same time, you know, there's very few people in Port Charles that have her back other than like Liesl and Maxie and Sasha to a certain extent. So I think she's just trying to hedge her bets and play it safe. Eventually, though, she's going to have to tell Maxie the truth. I got a feeling Maxie's going to get an avalanche of embarrassing riches sometime soon between this little bit of info and the stuff that's lurking about Peter, it's about to be off and popping. Well, Carla, I will ask you if, as you, in the role of an employee, if you were in Maxie's shoes and then your boss told, would you want to know from your boss that the reason you weren't getting a raise is that they were, because they were dating the CEO of the company and it would be improper for them to get more money this time of year? You know, as an employee, when I haven't, I've never applied for a raise. I just was one of those people that I I would see the writing on the wall. You know, if I was doing all this work and there was no promotion in terms of more responsibility to show or to prove that I would deserve to get paid more money, or 
if there was nothing that was a forward moving situation for me, then I would just hedge my bets and start making a move elsewhere. You know what I mean? I mean, at the end of the day, there's always somebody somewhere that's going to value what you have to bring to the table. And if Nina isn't it, it probably is best for her to go because her leaving will probably salvage the little bit of relationship they're going to have left when, when the stuff hits the fan. But me personally, I would just bounce and go someplace else where there's greener pastures. Like I would not I would not spend that much energy spinning my wheels that way, which is interesting that you asked me that question because my brother is in Washington, D.C., and he's faced with the dilemma of he's on a job where he is in management and he's been given more and more responsibility and they give him more money, but they're not giving him the title that goes along with the money. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So he's kind of got mm -hmm. the same title, but and is making more cash but not the title and the prestige that goes along with the paycheck. And he's very frustrated by that. And so he's like, well, what should I do? And I told him, you know, I would hedge my bets while I'm there, just do my thing and start applying for some new jobs, you know, and go somewhere where people are going to appreciate you. There's nothing more um, debilitating to someone's spirit and their soul to feel like they're not appreciated. And I feel like more than the money and the promotion for Maxie is the fact that she feels like what she's doing is not being appreciated, even though it's being verbally communicated to her. What you say and what you do are two different things. Well, uh, certainly I'll ask you another question about that, because what Maxie does is that she decides to reach back into us and that's happened in the past. That is when Lucy and Sasha are trying to set up the deception deal with Crimson. Mac, uh, Lucy was really impressed with Max and said, hey, you know what? Give, here's my business card. You know, when you realize that, you know, you, you're worth and you want something, give me a call. Maxie does, right. thinking that she's going to get a job. And initially, Lucy's like, uh, no. So Maxie quits without really having a fallback position. But she tells Lucy, goes, that it was implied. By you giving me that business card, it was implied. Do you agree with Maxie? Um, yeah, because... Lucy has Lucy has been after her and Sasha for months going, hey, come on over here. Come on over here. You know, she's been after them for months. So you would think that now she's ready to step up to the plate. But then again, it's Lucy. Lucy is the queen of double talk. She never says what she means, ever. So that in itself should have gave uh, Maxie her first clue that, you know, <laughs> what she meant and what she said were two different things. Well, I feel bad for Maxie because at the end of the week, we do realize that Lucy is going to be in because now Nina says no to Lucy and deception. She's squashing this because she tried to poach Maxie, even though she probably really, at least from Lucy's point of view, she really didn't. So Lucy goes back to Valentine and now they're in business together. For for Maxie, somebody who's not really wanting to be in Valentine's orbit, now realizing like, oh, all right, you're, you know, at least a partner, if not just the primary investor of our company. How do you think she's going to feel about that? I don't know. How do you think she's going to feel about that? <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't you already imagine. know the answer. That's why you asking me. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't slick. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Carly, you also mentioned Liesl. Uh, that relationship between Nina and Liesl is very tense right now because Liesl has been set up by Peter August, is in jail right now. And everybody that's come to visit her, whether it's Sasha, it's Nina, it's Franco, none of them believe what Liesl has to say right now. 
Uh, even Britt she, didn't believe her. Even her own daughter kicked her to the curb. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, uh, I that's convincing, hard. Yeah, confusing <laughs> Britt and Sasha. My, my Britt, Nina, and Franco. None of them buy it uh, or are believing at Liesl at this time. Do you feel like Liesl is the person that cried wolf too many times, and so when she's really in trouble, nobody's going to buy her? Believe it? Yep, that's exactly what I feel. I feel like she has been, I didn't do it, I didn't do it so many times, and then the truth will come out, and they would find out that she actually did has something to do with it. They're, they're, they're like, you know what? <clears throat> you said this numerous times. You've lied numerous times. You know, maybe this time you need to just like, you know, pull the covers back in your bed and lie in it. That's how they're all treating her. So for me, it's going to be really interesting to see who finally steps up to help her out. Because some one of them is going to step up to help her out. Well, I was really intrigued that, that it was Robert Scorpio. He says, hey, maybe we can help each other out. But then I also thought it was weird that the, the next thing we see after that scene is a day or so later, he's going to talk to Peter August and saying, oh, yeah, I just talked to Lisa Loprecht. Why would he tip his hand that he's like work, at least conferring with Lisa Loprecht? I feel like Robert just loved to see people squirm when he knows that <laughs> the scent is on to them. Like, I feel like he just likes to take the knife and go like this just a little bit before he gets what he wants, which makes him a really bad spy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like how many times how many times was he all up in Finn's face, you know, uh, baiting him for information or or alluding to the fact that, you know, what he thinks Anna is is not really what she is, and you know, and, and other shenanigans that have ensued but during the time that they have hooked up and he's been around in Port Charles. But I feel like he's one of those people that he doesn't, I think he doesn't see how uncomfortable somebody is gonna get. And based on the uncomfortability of that person, for some reason that le leads him to believe whether or not he should pursue what his gut hunch is. I do love with Robert Scorpio, the, that relationship between him and Finn. When he goes and talks to him at the hospital and says, hey, just keep an eye on Peter. It's not really spying. Just keep an eye out. Oh, wait, yeah. Violet's having a party? Uh, am I invited to the birthday party? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, everybody's all about this little party for Violet. I'm like, is she? Is it because she's the littlest kid in Port Charles? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Other than the baby baby, she's probably the youngest one. They're like, ooh, a birthday party cake. Yay. I'm like, y'all need to calm down. Doing too much. <laughs> just doing too much. Doing too much. Doing too much. Um, somebody in the chat room is saying something interesting. Monique Abram is saying that she thinks, from the way Anna is acting, she thinks Anna might actually be Alex. Hmm. Well, all right. Let's talk about Anna for a second. Uh, she, of two characters on the show currently, one of them that I, I really just like the way that she's being written. Uh, this storyline is driving me crazy with her willfully uh, being stupid to all the facts around her. <laughs> Did you say you willfully feeling? being stupid? Yes. <laughs> she just refused. I mean, uh, it, it is it's driving me bonkers how she will twist all these little threads to make it, in her mind, at least seem that Peter's being the persecuted one. Because it's her son. You know, I don't have children, but I would imagine if I had a kid, I would be like, I would probably protect my child to the ends of the earth, whether I knew they were wrong or not, because it's my kid. You know what I mean? It's that unconditional love kind of thing, I think, that kicks in. But um, but I but I think yeah. you can you can love your child, but I still think hold them accountable to things that they've done wrong. 
Some parents don't though. Some parents will love their child to a fault. Some parents will love them and embrace them no, no matter what kind of wrong that they do and never hold them account accountable because for some reason for them, that is them admitting that they didn't do as great of a job with that kid as they thought they did. And so there, there's a whole different kind of guilt that comes on to them. So to avoid from taking on that guilt, they just go in the complete opposite direction. You know what I mean? Well, and that's true. I mean, if we're talking about unusual parenting circumstances, the fact that she gave Peter up, raised by Faison, didn't meet him until later in life, is probably just implanted memories of motherhood because it's really Alex's son. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I can understand why that could be affecting her judgment as well. But it is annoying that she won't even, she will not listen to any sort of uh, even a hint that, some, that Peter's not on the up and up. Cause she eat blind, love, <clears throat> excuse me, love that love that mama, daddy, mama, daddy, that mama, uh, son bond and that love that she has is blinding her to the truth. But I think Monique probably has, has, um, a point there that she actually might be Alex because she's, she's at some point at the Anna Devane that I've known to see on general hospital usually gets to a point where she's like, you know what? You're right. I'm being unreasonable or let me just look at my actions real quick. At some point, she goes there and says that. This version of Anna is like, nope, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. Everybody's wrong with her. Everybody's wrong with her. And <clears throat> she's taking Peter's word over all else. And that is kind of disconcerting. And it's like, oh, but do I really, do I really want to believe that? But then th there's this other thing about, um, well, then Jen Jenny Fierce is saying, no, it's definitely not Aunt Alex. She says it's Anna. She knows Peter's guilty, but she's rationalizing his innocence with her giving. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. And then somebody else in the chat room is saying, is Valentine partnering with Lucy to sink Sasha? It's like backing Nell to get back at Michael. What do we think about that? That's a nice little premise. That, you know, I hadn't <laughs> thought about, because uh, certainly... Finding the revelation of Valentine's after uh, after Michael for what he did uh, was great, and so yeah, it makes sense that that's why he's want to be would want to be involved with deception to sing Sasha. I hadn't thought that extra step. That's that's a great thought and a great target. And I it hadn't makes either. Sense. Yeah, yeah, that was like a really good one. And then um, <clears throat> wait a minute, Monique, Monique, the child, they type it so fast I can't even read it. Uh, and then Monique said, according to Peter, both Sam and Dr. O hired the hitman to botch the surgery and caused Drew's plane to go down. I don't know about that. What? I don't know. According to Peter, both Sam and Dr. O hired yeah. the hitman to botch the surgery and caused Drew's plane to go down. Yeah. I I'm mean, like, <laughs> really though? I can't. And then well, uh, well, back on the subject of on the kids, Jenny Fear said, I have four kids. And no matter what one of them might do, I'll always love them, but I'll make sure to let them know how I feel about what they did. Yeah, I mean, there's some people that will do that, but I don't think Miss Thing is one of them. I don't think Anna's one of them. <laughs> and then y'all, they didn't come up. Valentine is my boo. Um, you need to find another version of boo, boo, boo. <laughs> if Valentine <laughs> is your boo. I'm just saying. <laughs> he Wait, you is crooked as they come. You know what? I mean, well, but you know what? You can't. What you can't argue with about Valentine, though, is that his his love 
can be genuine, even though everything else he does to maintain that love can be duplicitous as hell. But you can trust that he loves you. Uh, you you yeah. can't trust anything he says to you. <laughs> but you, yeah. you at least no. know he's faithful. Well, yeah, he is faithful. Look at look at how he was with Nina, like to a fault. He was like, yes. she she was like, I don't like you. I don't want nothing to do with you. And to a fault, he was like, well, I don't care. I still love you. And we were like, mm, but no, yeah. I'm gonna need you to step to the left. <laughs> I'm like, I need you to get it, like Beyonce says, to the left, to the left. I'm like, I'm just, I'm gonna need you to move it and get it moving. But I want to go back to um talking about. Actually, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about <clears throat> how Cam finally got to the place where he was gonna confess his undying love for Jocelyn and was thwarted. It's like, oh no. Well. I mean, we, we get that, and then it leads to the, the, the really super awkward kiss between him and Trina. And that's what I want to get patio. to. I was like, this poor baby, because let me let me have a sip real quick. <coughs> oh, my goodness. The little girl that plays Trina. Yes. The little girl that plays Trina is the daughter of a friend of mine who I did Lion King with. And this is her first, I mean, she's worked quite a bit as a kid, as a child actor, but this is like her really first big gig. And I'm pretty sure that was probably her first on-camera kiss. And I'm pretty sure that there was all kinds of anxiety attached to that. So I'm like, first of all, she kissing a boy. Second of all, she kissing a white boy. Third of all, she kissing a boy that she acting with every day. We don't know if she might have some feelings for him, if he might have some feelings for her. Like, we don't know what that working situation is like. Because I know as an actor, sometimes you work in such close confines that you become attracted to people that in any other circumstance of life, you wouldn't look twice at them. So it just, it was like, he went, he went in, he went in for the kill. And she was like, <laughs> she tensed up, she was like, she tensed up. Her eyes was rolling in the back of her head. I was like, oh, my poor baby. I felt so bad for her. Well, I mean, and that's, I mean, part of it is also real life. But, that, you know, people's first kisses or second or third kisses or at least first kiss with somebody, uh, a new individual can can be awkward. You hope that they're not, but they can be. <laughs> so, I mean, again, it is not. You hope that they're not. Uh, so, I mean, it is true to life. But it's also, do I want to do I want to watch that on the soap? Oh, I've got enough cringeworthy kisses in my past. I don't need to see new ones. <laughs> I cannot. Oh my god, <clears throat> that that made me. I was like, oh, is any? I, I could not wait to actually discuss that with you this week because I was like, that was awkward as hell, and I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad that they were in that position. I'm like, ooh, no. And yeah. I just knew you would have more to say about it than that because you're usually so cynical when it comes to stuff like that. I'm actually flabbergasted that you don't have anything else to say. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I can't, for all the reasons that you said, I can't sit there and criticize uh, the actor that's playing Trina. I mean, she is, a, you know, who knows how many kiss, yeah, kissing scenes she's, she's had as a young actress. So who am I to criticize that? It's just, I also feel like eh, maybe, maybe it could have been, you know, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the acting coach could have probably just thought maybe, uh, you know, prepped her better for the scene maybe, or maybe that was the, maybe that was her choice to say, like, Hey, this is going to be a super awkward kiss. Cause it's between people that have considered themselves really good friends for a number of years. 
And now that we're kind of crossing that boundary, but it's still a little weird and unusual. So maybe the kiss itself is a little weird and unusual. Okay, now <clears throat> let's get to um, Spinelli and his subtle, but not so subtle, <laughs> trying to spy on Peter's situation. It's so sad. And he, and, but, he's, um, but he's actually starting to show like this salty kind of jealous side when it comes to Peter, whenever it's dealing with his daughter and Maxie, his, you just see green in his eyeballs. And I'm wondering how this is gonna play out in the process of him trying to um, expose Peter. Well, I don't think, you know, I mean, I, I agree with Spinelli. It is, it is nothing about jealousy. I think it's just knowing Peter's true, uh, knowing Peter's story, what he's done to people that he's cared about, and now worried that he could do the same thing to Maxie, uh, somebody that he does care enormously for. But I don't think in a romantic fashion anymore. But if you want to talk about hammy over acting, uh, <laughs> the scene where Spinelli's at the gym and listens to the voicemail <laughs> and then awkwardly storms out of the boxing ring behind Jason and Anna. I'm like, oof, ouch. I'm, I'm like, what? That was I a little rough. Like, <clears throat> like, what is happening? I don't understand. And then um, what else do I want to talk about? I want to talk about, yeah. So let's talk about this situation <laughs> where I think it, toward the end of last week, there was like a little semi cliffhanger of, of what's his name? Chase. Chase and Sasha collectively deciding that they were going to suggest that Willow marry Michael because it, we discovered last week that Sasha can't marry Michael because of her sordid past of lying. So that doesn't make her the best parent <clears throat> going forward. But they had this whole suggestion about Willow. And it's amazing to me how salty Chase is about it. Like he was salty to the point where he jumped up in Sasha's face. He was like, yo, why are you going to suggest that? Like, I don't want you suggesting that because he knows that there's chemistry between the two of them. So my question is, how long do you think it's going to take before Willow and Michael end up hooking up? Because it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. Um, but I also think it's a... Chases didn't bother me because I also feel like it is a realistic response of somebody in the real world. If you were hanging out with another couple and they also <laughs> suggested, hey, why don't you marry him instead of me? Because then we could uh, get, maintain custody of the child. Like it is like a preposterous thing told to you in real life. I mean, I'm so you're willing to suspend disbelief because that's just part of the, the nature of the universe. All these really twists and turns, things you would never really encounter often, if ever in real life. So I feel like Chase's no. was that real world response going like, say, what? What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. It was a real world. It was a real world. Remember back in the day, I forget who they were trying to fool, but Alexa, I think Alexis married Jax. Yeah, Alexis married Jax. And then um, there was this other character that she married somebody else and they were all, none of them were romantically involved, but they all married each other to try to hide some information. I'm like, we gonna go down that road, rabbit hole again, GH, really? That's, that's what we trying to do? I'm like, I'm not having it this time. Then I kind of dealt with it because at that point in time, I'd never seen anything like that. And Nancy Gron, who plays Alexis, is very entertaining in situations like that because her comedy chops are so off the charts. But now I'm like, Nan, one of the four of them, got any kind of comedy happening anywhere. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to see that play out. 
Yeah, you know, and because if that does, I need to laugh. I don't need to be like all angst ridden and like, yeah, I don't believe this. You know what I mean? No, and that's true. And the one thing that we haven't seen, it would I would probably be more interested if they had played up the foursome dynamic more. We uh, until this week, we really hadn't seen any scenes of just Sasha and Chase together. So we had no yeah. idea. Like, I mean, we've seen tons of Willow and Michael scenes. So you could buy right. into, oh yeah, if they wanted to build, build this into a relationship, I could see the foundations of it. But I couldn't, I mean, right. Sasha and Chase, I'm like, oh, okay, sure, maybe. <laughs> but I don't, but I, I, <laughs> I could see Sasha and Chase. Like, remember, Sasha was the one that called Chase and asked him to come to the house when Willow was going through it and said, you're going to mm-hmm. want to hear this when Nell was over there acting out, right? So they have alluded off and on that they have some type of friendship, some type of communication in regards to Wiley or Michael or Willow. But up until this past week, we never saw the four of them in this room to get the definitive boundaries or or relationship situation happening between the four of them. I kind of like the four of them in cahoots together. It's kind of funny, but I need for I need for it to be written more funny because I just need comedy. <laughs> True. I, I mean it is it's hard for the storyline as well because it it is up against Nell, who we've basically elevated to this uh, not like a crime boss type threat, but a very serious threat to everybody that she comes in contact with. So I feel like trying to throw in a humorous part of that, I don't know how the two tones would mix. It would though, because they did it before. That's what I'm saying. When they did it before, it was pure comedy, and I had never seen that. But now they're doing it, and there's like no comedy element at all attached. I'm like, I need, I need some, some hee hee ha ha to happen. But um, just to hop off of that real quick, um, that <laughs> they're talking they're in the chat room talking about Carly's trying to groom Sasha to be Carly 2.0. <laughs> that I was about to mention that uh, I thought that was. Because we've seen so many times where Carly, much like she is with Jason, uh, always disapproving of uh, the people in their in their, their, her men's lives, whether it's Jason, right. whether it's Michael, whether it's Morgan. So to see her take a real liking to Sasha when she kind of realizes how, as she described, you're a, a good girl who knows how to do bad. I was like, all right. I, I, it was nice to see Carly being on the approving side for once. Well, I think she's all, she's like Sasha since day one. Like she's never, as far as Sasha is concerned, she's never been like, oh, Sasha. She has never been like that about Sasha. So I can see that this is going to be a nice little alliance happening that um, that actually could have some comedy. I'm all about the comedy today. So I'm feeling like, you know, this this alliance could prove to be a very comedic yet interesting situation, um, if nothing else. I also want to talk about before we run out of time. I truly want to talk about that um, uh, fight, honey. That that fight with Brooklyn and and Lulu. <laughs> you know, all right. First, we'll break it up. Back it up to this terrible montage they have of Brooklyn who's gone shopping, and then we, she comes back to ELQ and goes into this montage where all it really essentially amounted to was her putting a paperweight on this desk like she came in with like four or five bags and it was just a <laughs> paperweight that ended up on that desk what's up with that look if you're going shopping and you're a quarter man you're gonna have more bags than that i'm just saying 
Well, but it's like I, I was expecting like some big grand transformation of her desk, and there was nothing. It was really just here's a paperweight. Look at that. That was great. Yeah. And don't even get me started. It was kind of leading up to like a pretty woman moment and it didn't really pay off. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, all right, let's talk about ELQ for one hot second where this mm-hmm. is, I think, will be to all agree, a Fortune 500 company. So that this is the best that it could do as a, a lobby-esque area to greet your guests. Just coming off an elevator in this little cramped hallway. That's it? Get out of here. That's ridiculous. Look, as much as they talk about ELQ, it needed to be looking like that lobby in Devil Wears Prada. Like it, it needed to be giving me that kind of gravitas. But I'm sure they can't create that kind of gravitas on them ABC Prospect Studio style sound stages. But it's like you can, uh, you can build the Quartermain Mansion, and that is a nice open area, so you can do that. I mean, and if this is gonna, if you're gonna focusing on Brooklyn, if it's if this is only a toss away storyline where she's gonna only be the receptionist for, you know, three or four days. Okay, I can understand that you're not gonna spend a lot of money. But if this is gonna be like, hey, we're gonna make a go of it for a few months, build a better lobby for ELQ. Come on now, because this that was sad. That was sad. Yeah, I was like, it's like uh, so- I don't know happening with them with the with the building situation like they it's like when they renovated the quarter main house and we were like oh they got a renovation when that happened nobody <laughs> talked about it it's just like one minute they had one house and the next minute they had another and i'm like what well, what's going on there's no renovation that happens that fast that was a major restructural switch around on that house and, and <laughs> uh, that that is like months if not at least half half to a full year of work getting that all done but nope nope it was done like less than a month boom we got it uh so right now but back to the fight back yes. to the fight when Lou, hold up let me grab my lines because there was some doozy you know i i love the zingers baby when when brooke when lulu said to brooklyn oh yeah she's like she said, "You must." She said, "I bet you miss busting the subway platforms for those nickels." I'm like, "Ooh, ouch, ouch!" Well, and then when and then when Brooklyn came back with like, mm, "Must be must be really hard to have yet another broken heart and have somebody leave you not for another woman but for you don't even know what." I'm like, "Ooh, ouch, ouch!" They went in. They went in hard. And when she threw that water on her, I was like, ooh, is she going to drop kick her? Is she going to hit her? Like, I needed to see some bristling. I needed to see some... Now, I mean, I know there is no love lost between Brooklyn and Lulu. But, man, Lulu's actions did not... Uh, I was irritated watching Lulu go through this. Because it came off as just the pettiest thing. And she was... Her flimsy excuse, oh, but uh, as a friend? No, but as a reporter? Shouldn't I do this? And it's just like, <laughs> you're not listening to Maxie at all saying, hey, why would you do this to a family that is done right by you as well? This is, you know, give this girl a break. It was, you know, I'm sure an accident on her end. But no, Lulu just was like, no, nope, I got to just get in on this. So I, I, I have zero sympathy for Lulu at all in this. Yeah, I... Uh... I, I I had moments of 
some moments I felt bad for Lulu, other moments I felt bad for Brooklyn because they were verbally sparring. And I have to say the writing in that situation was right on point because they went in and they went in hard. But I I want to see, I don't know what's going on, why it keeps cutting off my head. I want to see um, where they're, where at some point they actually have a moment where they can bond together for the greater good. And I don't know what that's going to be, but at some point something's going to happen where they're going to have to get together for the greater good. And yeah, so I want to see how that plays out because, you know, they have that one thing in common, Dustin. So. No. Yeah. You're a little boy, (laughs) Dustin. Uh, What I did like though, is that Valentin just happens to walk in at the right time to catch this whole fight. And his first response is, First to smile, really, really, really wide. Then pull out the cell phone and start recording the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> and that that Lulu's only response was, "You better delete that video." Like he's not. You know he's not. You know you're in a contentious no. relationship about the custody of your child together. Why would you? Why would you even think? I mean, so I've got you know she's probably going to lose at least full custody. Uh, if not more of uh, Charlotte for a while. So I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine with that, Lulu. You need to get knocked down a peg or two on this. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she's, she's doing a lot, but I do feel like they will. <clears throat> don't you think with the, okay. So how are you feeling about this manager? Like serendipitously popping in and out of Port Charles? Like, I'm like, Either somebody gonna whoop his butt, kill him, get rid of him. They are gonna get rid of the contract. Like, come, I need for that to be resolved. That's kind of getting on my nerves. I mean, I mean, it all. I think it all depends on what Brooklyn does. I mean, because it's uh, the whole thing is to, to get for Valentine to get her shares of ELQ. And I like that they didn't make it that easy. That I felt like it would have been uh, very eighties of it if, as soon as the manager would have approached Brooklyn, I feel like in the eighties just to like. We don't have to worry so much about like character integrity or real life reactions. We could add Brooklyn and say, yep, I will sell this out just to get this contract out of the way. And who cares about my family? But I like that they mm-hmm. gave her a second, like, no, no, no. Let me actually try to help my family and support my family. So I'm not going to take this off. And we'll see yeah, if I can make I, it work for five years. And I like that conversation that she had with Olivia. Cause Olivia was like, you know, gave her options. Like instead of just, you know, going in on her, she was like, you know, you can make this decision or you can make that decision, but at the end of the day, it needs to be something that you can live with. And if it's something that you can live with, then that's where you should go. And I thought that was the one time that her and Olivia weren't like this. So that was kind of nice to see too. Uh, you know, and I, I, the fact that, I mean, she did swing at Chase and hurt, you know, possibly break his nose at the very least hurt him in the face. Um, but also, I feel like Brooklyn could get off by saying that, I mean, Chase never, I don't know if he ever announced that he was PCBD, everybody, uh, stay where you are. I mean, I don't know if he did any formal thing. He just went up behind Brooklyn and grabbed her. And then she swung because she was like, get your hands off me, not knowing who it was. But she yeah, still got- Yeah, a little contrived. Yeah. Still, and, and the fact that Lulu skated away free and clear when that place, he came in when she was throwing a glass at Brooklyn. So I don't know why she got off the whole thing. Child, she always getting off for something. Last time she, 
no, was it her that went to jail? No, last time it was Brooklyn throwing something and going to jail and getting off. This time it's Lulu throwing something. Like, I'm going to need y'all to hold these dolls accountable. Like, how are they How are they just, like, getting away with shenanigans in public places, throwing stuff at people where there's innocent bystanders? I don't get it. Well, I, you know, uh, and I do love, I'm waiting for Olivia to find out about it. She was busy over at ELQ, but when she gets back, because she's already, I, I love that she is not a huge fan of Lulu, uh, of over everything that's happened with Dante. I mean, she yep. she appreciates that, like, you know, Lulu's the mother of her grandchild, but the way she was talking to Robert is like, yeah, some people have already forgotten about Dante, and just looking right at Lulu, she's saying that. Like, she's not Lulu. having Lulu at all. She's not having, she, she's never been a fan of how Lulu handled the whole situation with Dante leaving. Like, she felt like, I feel like Olivia is a victim of, well, if I were you, I would have done. And so she's, what is that? It's a ghost. There's a ghost in Carla's home. It's Maurice Bernard, Carla. He's coming over to say hi. You're right. Um, (laughs) I feel like, what is that? Some funky noise happening. I hope nothing's about to blow up. Anyway. All it right. sounds like a technical situation about to go down. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what I will say is, um, what what was I saying? I forgot. I lost my train of thought. That noise bought, uh, got me off track. Oh, it's uh, Olivia and Lulu and, and Dante. Oh, yeah. I feel like she's one of these people that she... She's real good for uh, calling the kettle black. You know what I mean? She is one of those people that she expects people to do things the way she would do it. And she doesn't take into account that everybody has their own way of dealing with a crisis or dealing with somebody when they leave. Like she doesn't or, or, or just handling any type of dramatic situation that comes their way. She automatically goes to that place of if they don't do it the way she would do it, then that's a problem for her. She does it with Ned. She's done it with Sonny. She did it with Dante. And now she's doing it with Lulu. She's very judgmental in that respect. Uh, but, you know, if, to give Olivia props, I liked how she's really kind of blended in more with the border mains because when the when everything went down and this merger that they were going to do was blown by both Brooklyn and by Lulu, you see Olivia right there handling all the PR stuff. She was right there with Ned, like figuring out how to solve this problem and taking care of business. I was like, all right, Olivia, you go. Olivia, look, we've always known she was a smart cookie. She ain't no dum-dum. She ain't never been dumb by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, remember when she first came to Port Charles? She was very methodical in everything that she did before she even let people know who she was or that she was Connie's cousin. So she's not stupid by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like sometimes she's just one of those people that is like, you know, if if you don't do it the way I want to, even with the decoration situation, because the way she wanted to do the decorations wasn't the way Monica wanted to do the decorations in the house, that was a problem for her. She can be very judgmental depending on who it is. And then she can be, be, be very soft with other people. It just kind of depends on the situation, like which side of the road she's on. Well, as we're getting ready, uh, closer to wrap up the show, there's one other storyline we really haven't talked about. And it is the other oh, character okay. that is driving me absolutely bonkers on this show. And that is Jordan. Jordan, <laughs> the way they're writing Jordan in the storyline 
irritates the heck out of me. The fact that she is also just keeping, not refusing, refusing to share any information with at least Curtis bugs the heck out of me. Yeah, they're having her being very angst ridden. And I feel like it's leading up to something, but it's taking a little too long to get there. I I mean, it happened again with the, uh, everything that's going down with her, uh, her kidney. And now it's happening with this, where she just is like, no, I refuse to, have any help from anybody else i have to take this all on by myself and she can't but she will never ask for help and it all ends up blowing up in her face and i feel like they're just doing it again so i mean i feel like they're setting they're setting this up for like a possible like curtis and jordan breakup which is i mean i know you want to put couples through some stuff but we it it took so long to get them together in the first place i know i would hate to see that happen i would hate to see that happen you know i really would because i I remember when she first came on, when Brianna first came on playing Jordan, you know, everybody, us included, all of the fans were like, oh, we don't know because we had fallen in love with the first chick that played Jordan. But Brianna brings a whole different dimension to her, making her very engaging and very entertaining to watch for because she's given Jordan a type of depth and breadth that we hadn't seen before, right? And so we got used to her and then we got used to her being with Curtis and the chemistry that was evolving between them. We were in for that. We were rooting for them. We were rooting for them to succeed as characters. We were, were rooting for them to ex- succeed as actors playing opposite one another. And now that we kind of settled in and gotten used to it, they're kind of upsetting that that status quo a little bit. And we're like, oh man, come on, really? Yeah, you know, but it would be, I would be fine with it if you could have two people approaching something with the best of intentions. They just happen to fundamentally disagree about something. This, I, the fact that Jordan is repeating past behavior. I mean, I guess that's true. People do repeat past behaviors in life. It is just frustrating yeah. to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's, the, it's like that old adage says, if you keep doing things the same way, you keep getting the same results and she is getting yeah. or on her way to getting the same result this time, just like she did with the whole kidney situation. It's going to result in her being in a life threatening situation and having to recover from something. And we don't know if she's actually going to recover from whatever it is or not. We just got to like, you know, lay back and watch and wait and see. Well, speaking of waiting and seeing, folks, we are going to have to wait and see how this all develops over the course of the next week, uh, because it is time for this episode of the GH Report to wrap up. We've done it, everybody. We've done it. Uh, Folks, thanks for joining us so much. Uh, Before we go, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you, everybody, for hopping in the chat. We really appreciate it Uh, and appreciate your patience as we're doing this new form of covering these shows. It's great that we still have an opportunity to all get together to talk about shows that we all mutually love. So uh, thanks for your patience and uh, supporting us while we do this. Uh, Folks, if you want to stay in touch with either of us, Carla, where can they find you? I just want to say ditto and an addendum to what you said. You know, these types of things are the types of things that are going to help us keep our sanity, knowing that we have something to look forward to that's fun, that we enjoy. So this is great that you guys have been very um, steadfast and um, joining us in the chat room and helping us engage in the conversation. We appreciate you. We love you. You can find me across all social media platforms at The Curvy Critic. The Curvy Critic with Carla Renata at Black Hollywood Live normally goes up at 15, 515, but y'all know technology betrays me on the regular, so it'll be up an hour. <laughs> so if you get bored <laughs> after this, 
and you want to go over to Black Hollywood Live, you can catch the Curvy Critic with Carla Rodada at that time, and I'll be in the chat room talking with you. That's for you, Marlon Wallace and Mar and, and Michael B. Marlon Wallace and Michael B. Y'all always there, so y'all need to be there, okay? Um, and you can catch reruns of Superstore on NBC on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Carla, are you saying that you look forward to this, doing the show with me every Sunday? Yes. I, Frank, now come on, why are you playing? But, but wait, wait, wait. You didn't have no technical difficulties today. You wasn't freezing up like Frosty. That's I'm true. like, hey. <laughs> Uh, folks, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. That'll do it for this week, folks. But we'll be back next Sunday with an all-new episode of the GH Report right here on AfterBuzz TV. Have a good week, everybody. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.